Vikings win 34-20 over the Detroit Lions to move to 3-5. And And BG, Dalvin Cook is so flipping good. It's awesome to watch. Uh, Even though I didn't see the game, I was making my uh, journey west, southwest rather, to Southern California here where I am now recording from today uh, as I'm out here for the rest of the winter caddying um, down here in California. So I didn't get to see the Vikings game, unfortunately. I was just kind of falling on my phone, and Dalvin Cook was going off. He had 206 yards, two touchdowns, and the Vikings cruised uh, to that third. Well, maybe cruised. I don't know. You tell me, did they cruise to that 34-20 to 20 win, uh, or was it kind of choppy throughout the way? You know, I, they absolutely cruised. Uh, the Vikings were in control from the beginning, going our first two drives, much like the week before against the Packers, our first two drives resulting in touchdowns. But to touch on what you're saying about Delvin Cook, uh, first off, if the NFL season was two seasons long and those are two weeks long uh, this past weekend and the weekend before, Delvin Cook would be the unanimous MVP. He's had 478 total yards combined in the past two games and six touchdowns um, and, of course, two wins, which is the most important part of that stat. But he is playing phenomenal, uh, much thanks to our offensive line was actually put together back-to-back really good games um, from the run stand, standing uh, point and then the passing blocking for Kirk Cousins too. We've looked really good these past two games against one good team, the Packers. And the Lions, they're, they're probably towards the bottom of the league, but you never know with the Lions. They can beat anybody in the league, I've always said, and they can lose to anybody. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings showed that even though some things didn't go right during the game, like two of our punts got blocked. And the Lions recovered both of those, which could be huge um, and change the course of the game like that. We found a way to win, and the game wasn't really close at all throughout the game. And a lot of that is due to the Lions being a subpar football team and not capitalizing um, on those turnovers and throwing three interceptions to our Vikings defense, which is awesome. But from the beginning, we looked really good. Uh, We pulled Delvin Cook at the end of the game. He could have got more yards, put him back in after they blocked the second punt. So... It was cruising, and it was good to see the Vikings in a confident game and not holding on to our seat like the week before about Rodgers coming back with the game-winning touchdown drive. So um, it, it was unique for the 2020 Vikings team to put back-to-back wins. And if we make a playoff run, I know it's a big if, and 
We have a lot of games to go, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But this is what you need to do. Play good against good teams and play good against bad teams. Yeah. And I think it all kind of falls back on that offensive line. Now two weeks in a row, this offensive line has been able to you know, find a way to control that line of scrimmage and to get holes for Dalvin Cook. And if you can do that and you get him into the second level, you know, we all know what he can do. He's got game-changing speed. His quickness is unreal. His, he can run over you. He can run through you. He can run around you. He can do it all. Uh, I mean, he was a second-leading receiver in this game for us with, I think it was, let's see, 46 yards, two catches for 46 yards. Are you kidding me? Uh, with 206 yards on the ground. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And BG, I, you mentioned it before we started, but what was the statistic you had on his yards per game um, after this one now? Yeah, so his yards per game, I'm pretty sure, is 122. That's just rushing. Um, and obviously, he has a very dangerous threat out of the backfield as a receiver. But so far this season, um, he is outpacing Adrian Peterson's 2012 season when Peterson obviously won the league MVP. But Delvin Cook is outpacing Peterson for yards per game, 122. Yards per carry, which is, I think, 6.4, which is just incredible. And then touchdowns per game, which I believe is 1.7. And Cook, as we know, has missed one game uh, thus far this year, so he's behind Peterson in total rushing yards. But if he can stay healthy, he has a chance to be a 2,000-yard rusher, and it's due to Cook being the back that he is, but as well as the offensive line just creating huge holes for him and getting pushes two yards downfield before Cook even gets touched by a defender. And when that happens, he's likely to break it off and add five more yards to that rush. So the combination of Cook and our offensive line is great to see. Too bad that it took midway through the season to get to this point. But, I mean, this is what Vikings football is. This is what Mike Zimmer's uh, head coaching, the, the offense is. It's a dominant run offense where you smash the defense and rely on your running game to open up the passing game. And we've seen that work out for us the past two games. Um, this past Sunday against Detroit, Kirk Cousins only attempted 20 passes and completed 13 of them, three of those being touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was, an, he was efficient when he needed to be, but we didn't rely on Kirk Cousins to win us that game. Delvin Cook probably averaged right around five yards per carry, and Madison, too, when he came in. So that opened up for play action and just Kirk Cousins to have a beautiful pocket because they were used to playing the run and not the pass. And that combination is what it's going to take for the Vikings to get going um, and potentially make the playoffs. So it's good to see that we're back where we're supposed to be and utilizing our guys like Cook and the offensive line. And that's just going to open things up down the door, down the season. Yeah, Vikings certainly starting to put things together here. And if you can build on this game after game, and it seems like they've done it now two weeks in a row and you keep building into next week, the season or the schedule gets a lot easier, like we've mentioned. Let's go through that schedule now, BG, uh, game by game here. As the Vikings sit at 3-5, and five, they're going to go next week to Chicago. Um, uh, 5-15, no, excuse me, it'll be a 7-15 Monday night game uh, in Soldier Field, a place where the Vikings have really, really struggled the last decade finding wins there. I don't know what the exact number, but it's very, I don't know, maybe two or three wins, let's say, in the last 10 years in Soldier Field. So a place where the Vikings have struggled tremendously, uh, you know, against not a very good Bears team, a beatable Bears team. Uh, their offense is, you know, terrible. Their defense is really good. Uh, but if you can get that run game going, you got a good chance 
to get a win in that game. If you get Dalvin Cook going and this Minnesota moving company controls the line of scrimmage like they have uh, the last two weeks. So if you get to that, you get that win, BG, on Monday night, you're moving to four and five. Then you got the Cowboys at home. That seems like an automatic win. Uh, it is a 325 game, so maybe not with Kirk Cousins, but uh, you're hoping to win that game. And I think you, you got a really good shot to do that and move to five and five. Then you have the Panthers at home. Uh, McCaffrey's hurt again. Uh, I don't think they're a great team. I think that's a very winnable game. You can move to six and five. Then you got the Jaguars at home. And yeah, then you're at seven and five and you're basically back in it and have a very realistic shot of making the playoffs at that point. You got to get to, I mean, the magic number in my mind is nine wins. If you get to nine wins, you got a really good shot uh, to get in. Even at eight and eight, I think they still have a chance. Uh, but BG, moving on through the last four, and then I'll let you have your take on, on the, the last uh, eight games of this Vikings season. But Buccaneers, Bears, Saints, and Lions, I think you got a very good chance to go two and two in there, beat the Bears at home, beat the Lions at their place, and then I have us losing to the Saints and the Bucks, the two best teams in the NFC, in my opinion. Uh, but a, a very, very good chance, I think, for the Vikings to win six out of their last eight. And I think that's the number they'll have to do to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I think this next game against Chicago is the most important game of the Viking season. I think this game defines what kind of season we're going to have. If it's making the playoffs, like you said, at nine and seven and squeezing in with that extra wild card spot, or if it's hopefully not going eight and eight and missing the playoffs. But I think it ultimately comes down uh, to this game against Chicago. If we lose and go three to six, three and six, going to be very hard to come back and make the playoffs like like you said when we still have new orleans and tampa bay on our schedule with this vikings team i just don't see that being a possibility so we need to go in um and beat chicago and kind of show the rest of the league and ourselves what team we actually are we beat the packers in lambo it was a great win but there was also 40 mile per hour wind gusts which no doubt impacted the game and impacted Rodgers. We beat the Lions very easily, but they were the Detroit Lions. So going into Chicago, they're a pretty good team, not even close to what their record says they are. But as we all know, playing in Chicago, if you're a Minnesota Viking, is a tough task to go in there and come away with a win. So playing a good team or a a pretty good team in a very hard stadium is going to be huge and show that we can beat good teams in in tough scenarios and tough situations. And I think ultimately, what will get us that win is getting up early in the game. I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored uh, outdoors in middle of November in Chicago. And if we can get up on Chicago early on and then just run with Delvin Cook, uh, I think we'll be in a good spot. But huge game next week and looking forward to it. And I think we're all on the, the bandwagon of the Vikings are going to the playoffs now. So yeah, we got to get that. I'm not saying we're back yet, but don't look now. Uh, this team, it, it could be – you know, a sneak in the back door type of team and maybe even knock up some teams in the playoffs. I think uh, they're kind of coming together at the right time and they're getting better each week. This young secondary is getting better each week. And I think there's plenty of things to be excited about when you see Jeff Gladney and Dantzler and some of these young guys uh, get better every week. And it's fun to watch. It'll be a big test next Monday night in Soldier Field. Kirk Cousins obviously had the struggles his whole career on Monday night. I think that's large in part due to the fact that he played seven 
you know, seven seasons with the Washington Redskins and or the Washington football team, uh, a historically horrible franchise, arguably the worst in the NFL the last decade. So, I mean, that's a big part of it. <laughs> if you don't get drafted by the football team, you know, he, he's not going to go 0-7 on Monday night, and there's no narrative that he sucks on Monday night uh, because he's not playing for the worst franchise in the entire NFL. So I think it's a bit unfair when they look at his record on Monday night, and I think most of the times he wasn't the reason why. A few times, a, a few of those Monday night games, you could definitely point the blame to him. Uh, but I don't think there's really anything that could be concerned uh, with Kirk Cousins, I think it's more of just a, a media narrative, and I hope he can kind of get get over that on Monday night and play really well uh, for his standards at least, which would be like 13 of 19 for two touchdowns. That would be uh, an ideal night for Kirk Cousins uh, on Monday night in Soldier Field. Uh, and now I'm looking up the record here, BG. The Vikings are 4-15 and 15, uh, at Soldier Field since 2015. Uh, and that wow. is the eighth worst record in the league. Um, of all 32, 31 teams that play as opponents or at, at Soldier Field. So, I mean, that's that's pretty bad, and that's a big number to get over, and you hope it's the fifth win since 2000 on Monday night. BG, anything else Vikings-related? Um, we'll preview the whole game on Thursday, uh, but anything on this uh, this last game with the, uh, with the Lions? Yeah, one last thing about the Lions game. I was talking about how, the Lions are a subpar team, and they blocked two punts, but just didn't capitalize. Um, and they had a, chance, a couple of chances to keep the game close, and they ultimately didn't. And one prime example of that, I don't know if you guys saw, I saw it on CBS Sports today, but on Delvin Cook's 70-yard touchdown run, the Lions had 10 defenders on the field. <laughs> no, I didn't which see that. Would, <laughs> which helps tremendously if you're going to break out a run, but I just thought that was hilarious. And, like, nobody on the Lions knew <laughs> They just had 10 guys, so yeah, helps Delvin and it helps us. That's classic Lions, very classic Lions. Uh, Not surprising at all um, either, but there you have it. Um, Randy, how are you doing over there? How how was your your weekend of football? You guys played on Thursday night, right? Yeah, we played on Thursday, got the the easy double for the Niners, and uh, now we got the long week uh, to prepare against the Jaguars, so... um, I'm feeling good if you're a Packer fan. I guess the segue from, from Vikings to the Packers that I'll give is, you know, you guys talk about playoff talk. If you look at the NFC playoff race right now, I mean, I know it's early, but you have one game separating the number one from the number 17 in uh, in the NFC, which is crazy. And you have the Eagles thrown there at three, four, and one. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's the NFC East is a whole nother, uh, a whole nother issue. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, I think the AFC is the is the better team or the better conference this year in the NFL when it comes to who has the best teams. But the NFC is just so much more competitive, and uh, I mean, the it, when, who knows too? Again, what's it, I think it's hard to talk playoffs talk when um, you don't know if how many games you know your team might miss due to COVID. Um, or if not missing a game, you know, if Dalvin Cook comes down with coronavirus and misses two games, uh, you know, how big a blow that can be. So, I mean, I think even if you're a team like the Saints or the Seahawks in the NFC sitting at six and two right now, or even the Packers sitting at six and two, I mean, in in a week, your your fortunes can change, uh, change in a dime. Or if you're the Niners, I mean, you can lose your, you know, 
one of your best playmakers on offense and then kind of your facilitator in Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I mean, if this NFL season has taught us anything uh, so far, it's been that, uh, that things are random. And uh, I mean, who would have thought that the Bills would be the third best team at the, uh, <laughs> in the AFC and, and the Dolphins and Browns would be in the, uh, the playoffs at the end of this week and uh, the NFC as well. So, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, Andy, I think you're you're exactly right. It's a very unpredictable year, and the one thing we've learned is that things can change fast, and they have changed fast. You know, from the best team in the league, you can go from being the best team in the league with maybe the 49ers to, like you said, losing almost every single playmaker on defense and a bunch of your playmakers on offense and your quarterback and your best tight end. And so – Things can change fast. It's very uncertain. And, you know, the Vikings went from being dead to, you know, not being dead. I'm not saying we're back, but we're not dead. We're not dead. Uh, so things can change. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, and I think that's, 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 that's another tough thing, though, is that, I mean, it's easier for the Packers or the Saints or the Seahawks to, you know, drop four straight if you have to do the injuries or whatnot. But you know, the Vikings have kind of dug themselves in a hole, hole where they've left absolutely no room for for uh, another losing streak. Uh, I mean, if, if they want to make the playoffs and if they want to have a shot in the playoffs. So I don't know if Zimmer's had them, uh, you know, maybe locked up extra tight or anything like that. Uh, they, they get some extra precautions. Uh, but I mean, something as simple as that could get into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and you, you, you got to hope that this team stays healthy. And if they do, I think they got a great chance with Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Uh, to make a run into the playoffs and be a tough out in the playoffs. I don't think this is a Super Bowl team, uh, but they could develop into one. And if they start winning games, I could be easily uh, bought back into this to this team for sure. So we'll just keep an eye on them. Because I let, I let you two run the uh, the the Vikings uh, the Vikings talk. The one uh, the one take I'll have for the uh, the Bears game this uh, this coming weekend is is uh, I mean as, as you guys said the Bears defense is. It's really good. I mean, they're holding teams to 10, 14, 17, 20 points a game. And, um, I mean, I think it's all about the uh, defense of Vikings this week. Is, uh, you don't have to hold the, um, you don't have to hold the Bears to a, um, a ton of points, but I mean, the Bears have won games that on the backs of their defense only scoring 17, 20 points. Um, and I think if the Bears have a chance of winning on, on Monday, it's going to be like a 2017 final score um, or, or something like that. Good yeah, yeah, it definitely helps that the Bears' offense is very lackluster, um, which shapes up well for our Vikings' defense, <laughs> which is the same. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see this game going either way. It's it's just going to be huge for our Vikings. Yes, sir. We'll break down all of that on Friday morning, uh, that episode coming out on Friday morning, previewing all the games. Um, But let's move on to NCAA, and let's talk a little gopher football as they cruise to the win 41-14 over the Fighting Illini of Illinois. A big day from Mo Ibrahim and Rashad Bateman, BG. I didn't see this one either as I was also driving uh, on Saturday during this game. Uh, but Mo Ibrahim, 224 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he's a beast. I mean, nobody can stop him right now. And, you know, why, why not keep running the ball, keep giving it to him 30 times a game? 
Yeah, and I talked about Cook's stats over the past two weekends and how that's absolutely insane. And Ibrahim's stats are even more insane. Over the past two games, he has a total of 462 uh, rushing and receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Um, and week one, he had 140 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So he is playing absolutely phenomenal. And it was, it was a good win for the Gophers. I know it's against Illinois, but still first one of the season. This is the win we were expecting last week against Maryland, um, winning by 27 points here against Illinois. This is the team that we're expecting with P.J. Flex offense to put up 40 at least, which we did. And it was good to see the defense, defense, even though it is against Illinois, who's not good at all, but hold them to 14 points. Uh, the defense has struggled mightily in the first first two games, giving up 45 and 49. So this was a big win for the Gophers and definitely a big win um, for the defense. I've got one stat when we're on the topic of Ibrahim still. Yep. So he is – Big Ten has played three games. And most of college football, besides the Pac-10, they have finished eight weeks, I believe, of football. Yep. So keep that in mind. But Mohamed Ibrahim is the 24th leading rusher in college football after three games. <laughs> that is which awesome. Which is just insane. <laughs> yeah, that is so awesome. Yeah. And now you just hope that we can just keep playing these games and that, you know, Wisconsin doesn't cancel their season like they're, they're talking about. Uh, because if you, you keep on this pace and you're talking records. And I know we want the Gophers to win the Big Ten West, but it would just have a sour feeling in our mouth, I guess in my mouth, speaking for myself, to see like a great team like Wisconsin, especially after that week one performance, um, not be up for the Big Ten West because of the limited quantity of games or even for the Big Ten Championship because they're for sure playing like at week one. So hopefully they can get back in all the Big Ten teams can, can keep playing, and this season continues during this COVID spike that we're seeing once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's go through that Big Ten West standings. Um, sitting at the top of the conference, Northwestern Wildcats 3-0. and They're wow. the only 3-0 and team in the Big Ten West. Purdue right behind them at 2-0, and and then Wisconsin 1-0. and and obviously we mentioned the question marks about Wisconsin. Who knows if they're even going to play next week. And we don't even know if their season is going to continue. I'm going to lean towards uh, the side of, yes, it is going to continue. I think that would be a huge move for them to jump out of their conference. And I think it would be a, or a jump out of the conference for the season because, one, it would be just stupid to uh, not give your, your players an opportunity to develop even on a, you know, a potentially lost year where they don't have a chance of making um, the college football playoff and if they don't get to six games, uh, a Big Ten playoff. But uh, an opportunity to play football games and develop your, your team is always a good thing. It would be uh, very short-sighted, in my opinion, for them to not continue this season. I fully expect them to continue, uh, barring any sort of major, major spikes in Wisconsin. But we, we haven't really seen anything, and I haven't you know followed them closely the last week, but I haven't seen any stories uh, saying that Wisconsin's had any more outbreaks uh, other than that of first 22 uh, that they had but keep an eye on Wisconsin uh, moving down through the Big Ten West standings here Minnesota and Iowa both sitting at one and two in the conference and then Nebraska 0 and two and Illinois 0 and three uh, to round out the Big Ten West uh, so BG and Andy I mean 
everybody really still alive at this point in the Big Ten West, even though the Gophers have two losses, uh, Northwestern having only three wins right now. I mean, three wins, yes, they're 3-0, they're and oh, but um, not a number of wins that you can't uh, overtake, uh, especially with a, on the schedule for both, uh, well, not for Iowa anymore, but for Minnesota uh, down the road here. So plenty of, uh, of opportunities still in the Big Ten West for the Gophers to potentially win this conference uh, or this division and get into the conference championship. Uh, and if they keep getting better, BG, like they did last year, every week getting a little bit better, offensive line starting to come together, we still haven't seen Daniel Falale. We still haven't seen Curtis Dunlap Jr. Uh, both of those guys uh, hopefully going to be back next week. And if they are back next week, that's a huge get. I mean, that's 6'9", 400 pounds. We've talked about all of that with Falale, but that's a big human being to get back on your offensive line. And he was a big part of last year's team. Uh, so you get those two back and, you know, Muhammad Ibrahim might be running for 300, 400 yards uh, <laughs> and maybe 10 touchdowns. We'll see. But I mean, I'm excited to get those guys back. BG, Andy, any other thoughts on the Big Ten? Um, just about the Northwestern 3-0 and uh, Wildcats. The leading receiver is front of the pod, Ramad Bowman, who leads Northwestern in both reception so far this year and receiving yards. So, way to go. Ramad Chakiel. He's, he's a senior there now. Bowman, yep. yes, sir. A friend of the pod, senior Wildcat, making big moves down there. In Evanstown, Evansville, Evan, Evanston, Evanston. There we go. <laughs> Evanston. <laughs> I can't remember. Andy, any other thoughts on the Big Ten? Uh, I mean, we talked Big Ten West, but I think the Big Ten East is where the scene is really interesting. I mean, you have Indiana and Ohio State three and Penn State zero and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about it. Um, thinking about it on my drive down this weekend. I was just the 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 twists and turns of the Big Ten State. You have Michigan roll Minnesota week one. Never had said, oh, Michigan, they've got a good team. They've got a really good team. Minnesota's supposed to be good. And then you have Michigan State, who everyone thought was terrible, beat Michigan. And then people are saying, oh, is Michigan State maybe there for real? They have um, uh, Rocky Lombardi, who might have the best football name in the history of football names, mm-hmm. at quarterback. Um, and then Iowa comes in, trounces Michigan State. Then you have like, teams like Maryland, you know, running up the score on uh, on on Minnesota and um, and on Penn State the last two weeks after they lose the, the first week, like it's just. Oh, I mean, Maryland beat us in it, overtime, but uh, by one I mean, single point. I, I don't know. If I, you I, guess, that I guess you're score right. up on them, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, they're, they're Maryland. <laughs> I mean, but true. We should have lost. Um, yeah, I get your point. <laughs> um, it's just been like every week. It seems like you know it's the narrative changes from, oh, this team was an up, this was an upset to, you know, this team, this team is actually better than we thought. This team is way better than we thought. And it changes every single week. And the only constant, as we've said the past couple weeks, that Ohio State is really good. <laughs> That's the <laughs> only thing we know of the Big Ten this year, is that Ohio State is really good. And then everyone else is just a crap shooter. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, it is totally week to week at this point. I mean, you saw it with the Gophers in the first week. You lose your basically your entire special teams unit, at least in your kicker room. Your one through five place kicker uh, through your punter are out, and it costs the Gophers big time in the special teams. They end up, you know, losing by three touchdowns to Michigan. And Randy, I think you make a great point because Michigan goes from being like this all-world team 
uh, I mean, maybe not all world, but, you know, a really good football team and one of the competitors in the Big Ten to now three weeks later, uh, Jim Harbaugh is not even going to be coaching this football team next season. I mean, they announced <laughs> this week that he's going to step down after this season. I mean, this is crazy. We've gone from Michigan being a top 10 team in the country to, you know, Jim Harbaugh walking out the door at the end of the season. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in, in the last five weeks. And if we're even going to have the, the next five weeks, uh, knock on wood, but it's going to be crazy and it's going to be fun to watch. Who, who did Michigan lose this weekend? Was it was it Rutgers? Indiana. Indiana. Indiana, that's right. Oh, yeah, Indiana. Indiana, are they a top 10 team yet? Yeah, I was going to talk about Indiana a little bit. They're rated number 10 right now in the country. That's their best ranking in program history. Of, wow. Like of all time, program history. And it, it's just sweet. They, I was, I was just looking through their schedule. They have, they control their destiny to making the college playoffs. And I truly believe that because they have a tough schedule. They've already beaten Penn State, Rutgers, and Michigan. They play Michigan State next week, then Ohio State, then Maryland, then Wisconsin, and then undefeated Purdue. So number 10 seed Indiana right now, make it to the college playoff. Why not in the year of 2020? That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Sorry, I was just reading something else here. But, yeah, I mean – it's a crazy season. I think Indiana's having a similar type season to what Minnesota last had last year. Uh, you know, just kind of coming out of nowhere and just, you know, going undefeated for the first, I think it was eight weeks or nine weeks of last season before uh, we, we ran into the Iowa Hawkeyes. But uh, sky's the limit right now for Indiana. Good for them. I mean, they have a hell of a schedule left to finish, especially, uh, you know, with Ohio State still on there. But good luck to them, and they can – Control their own destiny. That's, you know, it's good to say at this point in the season for them. Anything else, boys, college football related before we uh, move on here to Ramble and Ricky? That's all I got. Not college, not college football related, but just something to keep on everyone's radar is AP uh, released their preseason top 25 of basketball poll. So uh, we have college basketballs right around the corner. Big week this week with the uh, with the NFL and the Masters and college football. And we'll be talking about later this week. But, I mean, it's it's sports, sports, sports nonstop this uh, this fall, thanks to COVID. So, I, yeah. mean, I guess that's the silver lining coming out of all this. Yes, sir. Sports, sports, sports. My whole life is sports. Our everything is sports, 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 sports. Um, big week, like you mentioned, Andy, Masters coming up. We're going to preview all of that later this week. I'm not sure exactly when, but I think we're going to wait till tea times come out. Is that what we're thinking? Yep. Okay, we'll wait till tea times come out, uh, and then we're going to pick our guys for this week and see what happens. Uh, and we're going to do a punishment as well. So loser of Master Masters Week picks will have some sort of punishment. We'll come up with that. Um, BG, do you want to recap pick segment from last week and give us an, uh, a look at the standings? Yes. Um, you have I will be able to recap it. I don't know if I'll be able to do the standings. Okay. Since I don't have them. No worries. If, but you have the but, our records from last week? Or, I mean, our... Like, yeah, our just record. from last week, so... Okay. I can add them in as you get see, into me here. So, we all did pretty bad. Yes, collectively. we did. That's very true. Uh, two of us went one and four. One went two and three. One went three and two. Mm, we'll start okay. off with Ramblin' Ricky, a.k.a. Zach Real, a.k.a. Uh, Zach Schefter, he went two and three. He got the Vikings over the Lions. He did not get the – he picked the Seahawks over the Bills. Bills won. Okay. He picked the Bucks over the Saints, and they got beat by 35. 
And then Florida beat Georgia as well. And his upset of the Broncos did not happen. So he went two and three. Okay. Hang, um, on. Hang on just one second. I'm going to write our records down here. All right. Yeah, the the records on, on the spreadsheet are outdated. That's why. I okay. Know. I got them right here, though. So he was 10 and – let's see. I got to get a good pen first. He was 10 and 11 coming into this week. And you said he went two and three? Two and three. So 12 and 14. 12 that and right? 14 for Z. Real. Yep. righty, Moving on. All right, Beal. You went one and four Oof. with getting the Vikings game right. Yep. And then you had the Colts as the upset, which, as we talked about, a little controversial because we, we, the, yes. you didn't know if they were favorites or well, underdogs. But I mean, I had an alternate line. Uh, some people are saying that alternate line was fake news, but you know, it, it's kind of <laughs> iffy. They lost either way. So yeah, uh, yeah, regardless. yeah. Regardless, I, I'm. I had a terrible week. Um, Randy, you also went one and four, uh, picking the Vikings game as well. And you had the bears as an upset, which, um, let's see, Randy didn't pan out. Okay. And how about yourself, BG? And then I surprisingly was, went over 500. I had the Vikings. I also picked the bills or picked the Seahawks over the bills. I picked the saints over the bucks. And then I got my upset. I got the Raiders. Nice. So you were three and two. Yep. Okay. And let's see where we're sitting. BG, you now lead um, the wake and take league now at 16, 13, and one, if my numbers are correct. And I am in second place at 14, 15, and one. Um, Randy, one game behind me, uh, me is you. At 13, 15, and 1. And Zach rounding out the bottom of the league at 12 and 14. So that's where we sit, boys, through eight weeks of NFL and NCAA picks segment. Yeah, we're all pretty close. Yeah, very close. As we have, you know, another eight weeks left of uh, NFL picking at least. And, you know, throw some college games in there. Maybe we get some college basketball going too uh, later yep. on. But. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, rambling Ricky. Here he is, uh, Ricky. We, we've had two good weeks so far, uh, both about music. I, I, am I right? You're correct. Um, and I was I was going to address that here because there's one more follow up music one here because I think it's it stems off uh, kind of stems off last week and I mentioned that um, when I, or I didn't mention I was going to mention to you guys that this will be probably the last music one. Then we'll start mixing it up a bit. I know it's. Hopefully you guys aren't getting tired of the music, but I think it's there's some really interesting things, and this one actually hits pretty close to home, um, which is pretty cool. But let me uh, let me hop right into it. If you guys Sweet. have anything, yeah. let me know. No, looking forward um, to it. Fire away. Yeah. So last week we talked a little bit about the Rolling Stones. We mentioned them um, when we were talking about the greatest songs ever written, according to Rolling Stone magazine. And it got me thinking about a story I'd heard a while back, and I'm just so I wasn't talking on my ass all night, I made sure to go check it out and look up the story um, uh, the other night. And it's it's a pretty cool one. So you guys ever heard of the song called You Can't Always Get What You Want? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. It's a, it's a classic one. So um, it's a pretty cool backstory. And I think for all three of these, Brady, BG, and I have talked about them. Um, I think we've mentioned this to each other. But so... If you're a listener, I would go back and listen to this song. You know, pause it, go listen to the song. It's you don't need to, but it's it's a really good song. And 
the Rolling Stones, if you don't really know, are, are a lot of people put them right behind the Beatles as the best rock band of all time. So they're uh, definitely worth a listen, but uh, it's pretty cool. In, in, 19, in the summer of 1964, they came to Excelsior right here in the cities, right almost Beatles stomping ground. Yes, sir. Um, and they played a, st- a concert for less than 300 people at an amusement park there. Um, and apparently it was not a big hit for a lot of people. And it was, they said it was $6 a ticket. And apparently that was overpriced at the time, but I feel like people tend to just, you know, probably five years later, we're like, Oh my gosh, if only we'd only we'd done that. And so, um, they go to a concert there. It's not a huge hit, but anyway, Mick Jagger, they stay another night cause they, they're doing a tour around the Midwest or something. And they were just starting to get big. Um, and so it's reported that Mick Jagger, who is the lead singer of, of Rolling Stones for, you don't know that. Um, he went to a local drugstore in Excelsior and he ran into a man named Jimmy Hutmaker. And this guy went by Jimmy, Mr. Jimmy. And apparently he was a local celebrity in, in Excelsior until he passed away in 2007. And he had like a very like boisterous, like crazy kind of personality that some attribute it to him witnessing a tragedy when he was a child. And so he was a, like, he wasn't off, I don't think, but he was like a little bit like, I don't, I don't want to say describe it because I didn't know him or I don't want to offend anyone, but apparently he was just a really, well, Zach, let me, let me jump in here. Cause I actually know, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know him personally, but I, I remember before he passed away, um, really? at least seeing where he, there was a bench in Excelsior where he used to sit right down, uh, kind of near main street Excelsior. No way. Um, and yeah. there's a plaque there on the bench now and it, it was right in the middle of, of the kind of the strip uh, of all the different, um, you know, stores and stuff along the main strip, uh, through Excelsior. And so he would sit there and talk to people as they came by. And I remember, you know, he, what he looked like and he was an old man, he, you know, had a cane and he, he had some, you know, maybe some, you know, little differences, you know, I, I don't know what was quite, something was a little wrong with him, you know, in a little yeah, different at least. Yeah. So, but he was, uh, wow. you know, kind of a quirky guy was a lot of energy, just always around Excelsior. Uh, you call him the mayor of Excelsior, Mr. Jimmy. Um, and I think he lived somewhere right around in town there. Um, I think it was somewhere near that, like the the birdhouse inn. I don't know if he actually lived there or like right behind there, but somewhere in town. Uh, but yeah, he, he I remember him when I was a little a young boy. He was a, a, a local legend in Excelsior. So everybody was like, you go by him and be like, hey, that's that's Mr. Jimmy, and he might you know say something to you as you walk by. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, is that because I, I might have, while back um, saw a plaque down it's a jimmy hut maker I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm remembering this right is it by like one of those ice cream stands yes, i'm sure the ice cream stands move but yeah dude that's that's really cool and i i didn't really know the story too well until i looked it up a couple nights ago but i'd heard about it and i'd heard about mr jimmy and apparently he lived in excelsior since he was 16 and he'd lived there his whole life and he would know everybody by name apparently and know who they were what church they went to what they did like just but not in a creepy way just he was a really nice outgoing guy and um so apparently, um, Mick Jagger goes to a, a convenience store in Excelsior to get a prescription filled, and he meets Mr. Jimmy there. And Mr. Jimmy's got—he's um, ordering a cherry coke, as story goes. And it came, when it came to him, and they, they, apparently they had talked to each other a little bit, they had met each other. And when it came to him, it turned out to be just a regular coke. And Mr. Jimmy noticed, and he's like, "Ah, you can't always get what you want." And a couple years later, I think it was four years later, they came out with uh, uh, the Stones came out with the song "You Can't Always Get What You Want." And Mick Jagger, they attributed it to, um, or the inspiration behind the song, they attributed it to Mr. Jimmy when he said that to him. 
and there's a, there's a, like a stanza in the song. It goes, I went down to the Chelsea drugstore and he changed Chelsea from Excelsior to Chelsea. Um, cause they're British. Um, to get your prescription filled, I was standing in line with Mr. Jimmy and man, did he look pretty ill. We decided that he, we would have a soda, my favorite flavor, cherry red. I sung my song to Mr. Jimmy. Yeah. And he said one word to me and that was dead. And I said to him, you can't always get what you want. And so I just think that's absolutely incredible. That greatest, one of the greatest rock and roll bands who ever lived has a, has a story and an influence from small town, little Minnesota there. So I think it's pretty, pretty unbelievable. So that is the story I got for you guys tonight. Any comments, questions? Yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic edition of Ramblin' Ricky there. And, and a story I was familiar with just having grown up in Excelsior. And I think my dad told me when, you know, growing up that, yeah, that's from that, that, that verse and that song, you can't all, you know, Mr. Jimmy, that's Mr. Jimmy from Excelsior. So Mr. Very, Excelsior. very cool to see it's it. pretty uh, sweet. Yeah. Come full circle here. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So that, Hope you guys like that one. I'll be that'll probably be, be the last music one, and then we'll, we'll I'll try to find some other things to ramble about. But I do tend to ramble about music quite a bit. So awesome, right. awesome. That, All right, that was awesome. Looking forward to next week, and we'll be back later this week with a preview episode of all the games next weekend, as well as pick segment. See you guys all then. Another turning point of folks stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life And still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good up and good times Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable In the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life That was awesome, guys. Yeah, that was that, awesome. That whistle part was really good. Thank that you. Was really good.